everyone, and welcome back to the Stack Awards cast again. And as always, this is Nico, and with me is Brandon. How's it going today, man? Oh, hey there. It's going. Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, I think we got a good show in order today. Our show is going to be about our way of crafting decks and our theory behind it. But before we get to that, let's go into some news. Brandon, what do you have for today? I mean, we're recording this on September 15th, so I guess the adventuring scouting elephant in the burning room? <laughs> yep. Well, as I'm sure most of you will know by the time you listen to this, and maybe some of you won't, uh, there has been a recent ban list update for Commander, which is obviously somewhat important to a lot of people, and it's to ban Golos, Tireless Pilgrim. And Brandon, what do you think about this? I don't hate it. I There are some very head-scratching choices on the ban list, but yeah. I just don't like the design of Golos. I mean, it's kind of the building for Commander run amok, where it's just, oh, you cast me for whatever mana. You get a land, any land, and then, oh yeah, just play stuff for free. I mean, it's just the ultimate five color good stuff commander so there are some cool things you can do with it but there's also just some stupid things that kind of can warp a table when you're in like an lgs setting yeah and and that's what the ban list is meant for as i'm sure anybody who's listening to this knows i mean it's meant for the lgs people like as has been repeated for time in memoriam especially recently the rule zero conversation is important so for our player group we don't abide by the ban list anymore we made that decision about a month ago so i can see why it would be banned in an lgs setting somewhat i'm a big proponent of unbanning almost everything and that's just because i think i don't know people we and that's it's hit or miss i guess there's a lot of things on the list i think could come off Uh, this is one of them i don't know if this leads to enough feel bads is it like how many people go to a night at an LGS, and if they're trying to be hyper-competitive, are playing Golos. I don't know See, the answer to that. The issue's not when you get to the hyper-competitive. Like, that, when you get there, you know what you're getting into. It's, oh it's yeah, I'm gonna play my, even though I hate the, uh, number like the number deck power system oh, i'm here to play my five my my sea creature tribal smashy smash and someone comes oh yeah i'm gonna play golos yeah, and it's so just it's, like oh yeah i'm gonna so cast you, all this stuff for free i didn't and, consider that until you started talking so you consider it kind of a pub stompy commander not pub stomp is its own can of worms I mean, pub stomping in my mind is more of a mentality but it's more of it's really hard to build Golos bad. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's training wheels. It You're going to do the thing. You're going to get your land. You're going to cast your stuff for free. I mean, your stuff could be bad, but you're still casting your stuff for free. Yeah. So, and really, when, when you think back to five, trying to play five-color commander four years ago, you didn't have options. You had to find something that worked. I mean... Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to play sure. a five-color Maze's End deck. I'm going to play a five-color Enchantress, five-color Lands. Like, Golos is the best option for all of that. I can see that, and it's a similar argument to why I was... If you go back and listen to it, it's an older episode with Jimmy. 
while as I guess okay, I still don't like it. I was okay with the Paradox engine ban because it got to the point where it literally was a incorrect choice not to put that card in a deck <laughs> if it was yeah. an artifact deck. Uh, and it was as simple as that, honestly, because it just fit into any artifact deck so well, and it was just the V option to make. So I could see that it's a similar argument for this. Golos is the option to make for five color. So. Yeah, and if you look back in other formats, like Modern Horizons 1 Modern, I mean, the GAC, the GAC ran wild. They tried right. to, to ban it. They tried to ban other things instead of it, and it didn't work out. And then you had four-color Omnath and all of that here with the lands deck and standard. I mean, it, whenever something is that generically good, it pushes out everything else. And you get a homogenization that's not necessarily good for the format. I can see that. I, I've seen it, I, like, you and I both love and watch uh, Commander Clash uh, with the NTG Goldfish guys, and I've seen Seth build, uh, quote, fair Golos that he even laughs at, their whole table laughs at it. He's super good, no matter what, and I can definitely acknowledge that. But I do think if you're building janky Golos, which is a perfect segue into what I've got to say next, I do think if you're building janky Golos, is probably fine. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, I mean, because, yes, if you're building Optimal and you put Lake of the Dead in there, or not Lake of the Dead. Field of the Dead. And, Field of the Dead, sorry. Yeah. Lake of the Dead is a whole different card. <laughs> I mean, you, really you could put Lake of the Dead in there. You're yeah, not sure wrong. You could. Yeah, I mean, that card's amazing. So anything else you have to say about that? I mean, I guess the other half of that coin is uh, Worldfire. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot. That's a card that I just, that and Sway the Stars and Upheaval, all of them. I've always voted should be on ban. Worldfire, I actually put in one of my first commander decks before I ever looked at the ban list and before we got, and this is years ago, before we got rid of it in our play group, which was only recently. And I think that card's sweet. That card's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it really an issue with it. It's mass land destruction. It's, well, mass everything destruction, but right. if you're and, playing it, you're not just going to play it and then, well, pass the turn. You're no, going to have a lightning bolt or something that you can put on the stack. Or you float mana, play your commander, and swing at somebody yeah. if they have haste. So my thing I really would love to do with it is go the super drank, jank route and build a <laughs> Worldfire, Oblivion Ring, and Baron Glory combo. Mm, and just yeah, yeah. go for that win. <laughs> and I probably will try at some point because it sounds, I don't know, I think that sounds hilarious. That's up your alley. And speaking of up my alley, the Golos deck, so I actually ordered it today after watching today's Commander Versus, is Golos Kaboom. Are you familiar with Kaboom, Brandon? Not completely, so enlighten the people. So Kaboom is an old card, and I like to think of myself as pretty knowledgeable about the game, having played since I was six or seven. Not the most knowledgeable, but it's an old card that reads uh, it's a sorcery for four and one red it says choose any number of target players or planeswalkers for each of them reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land card kaboom deals damage equal to that card's mana value to that player or planeswalker then you put the revealed cards on the bottom of your library in any order so the whole deck <laughs> revolves around five colors kaboom effects because there's several of them and playing all the highest cmc that are in the game and i it's just so strange that i saw this today because i had like a fever dream of a deck idea the other day where i would i was thinking about it'd be cool to build a five color deck that had 
it was tribal set cycles. So the bringer cycle, the avatar cycle, and so forth. I'd actually consider doing a Golos deck kind of like that. So do like gates, do all the shrines, and maybe some of the ultimatums. Just like yep. all the cycles you could shove in there. So this deck was submitted to Jeremy on Commander Versus, and man, it's one of the most hilarious. I won't like give anything away about the episode, but it was one of the most fun-looking decks I've seen in a quite a long time. So to give you an idea, the reason I mentioned them was for this. So there's Avatar of My, Avatar of Woe, all the bringers, which I love that era of magic. I w- I've been wanting for years to be to do a Sunburst or Bringer deck because they're just sweet cards. Mm-hmm. Draco's in it. Draco's a dollar now, dude. Because he got, it got reprinted, reprinted in mystery. Yeah. yeah. So Draco's in there. One of the cool things that you can try to pull off is a, there's a lot of ways to throw your stuff in your graveyard. So you do an eerie ultimatum, and then you get all these huge janky pieces of shit out of your graveyard on the <laughs> battlefield. This card, I've seen it before, but never read it because it's one of those cards that it's just useless in most things. It's Grozoth. Have you heard of this thing, man? Um, I believe so. Does it? It searches up eight or nine CMC things. Nine CMC things. It's a nine nine for nine. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Andrew have that in his Sea Monsters deck back in the day? I think he did, man. I think he really did. Joda. I I ordered a Joda just to throw it in here. The deck looks sweet, and I saw how it played on there. And the whole point of the deck is just to do as many kaboom effects as possible, and then just blow people up. Wasn't there one this printed the- recently in Commander Legends? Yes. Yep, that's the Soulfire Eruption. It's the best of them. Of course it is, because it's printed last year. It's choose any number of target creatures, planeswalkers, or players. For each of them, exile the top card of your library, and Soulfire Eruption deals damage equal to that card's converted mana cost to that permanent player. You may play the exile cards till the end of turn. The end of next turn. So, of course, it's even Uh better. But it costs nine. So, you know, it's fine. Give and you take. That's an example of Golos I think sounds terrific and i cannot wait to play it and this is a secret until i see you next time which is actually in a couple weeks in person yeah and i I, like i said i was thinking about doing a golos shrine deck which would have been interesting Mm -hmm. but it's just like it's just the default choice if you're going to do something janky and five color it kind of is because i don't know golos just brings that generic value on himself even if you're doing janky stuff he is generic value he's 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 uh Ramp and card draw and at the same time. Stuff. Yep. And the, that's kind of the reason. If I ever get tired of Golos, I have Joda in the deck. And that's, you know, he's there as a backup because I've also wanted to do like Joda and Kuruga for just a crazy, like, janky deck as well. And it, kind of a similar concept. So this will be, this will fit that box for me. And I'll be very excited to play it. So, so well, speaking of brewing, I actually put together my first list with a companion. This oh. week, or this week or last week, but it was um, just the first sliver with Jengatha. Oh, nice. So yeah, that's, we'll that's see if I actually put pick. it together. My two five-color yeah, decks will be tribal. That'd be awesome. Yeah, first sliver I also have, and he's currently somewhat in pieces. We talked about this before. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we have talked long enough about our own stuff. I say let's get into the topic for today, which yeah, let's, again... Let's not be too is, self-indulgent on our podcast. Yes. Exactly. We can maybe we'll start talking as long as we want, and then the extra stuff will be for future patrons if we ever get to that point. So we'll have the exclusive stuff, the exclusive scoop, the, the deep cuts, the B sides. Yes, exactly. The B. That's what we're going to call it. 
the B Randy B sides. So, all right. Anyway, let's get into it. Brandon, this was mostly like actually, it was completely your idea for an episode, and it was the brewing process and philosophy. I think this was a great idea. Why don't you give us an idea of what you view this as? And we'll like kind of, I guess, a rundown, and I'll let you start, of what you do for your current brewing philosophy. So in my mind, this is from conceptualizing to final list. And not final list as in like the ultimate final, but final is in the list before you put the deck together for the first time. So I'm okay. thinking like when the concept comes to mind, when you then flesh out as a full-fledged idea, Mm-hmm. Putting together the general list, cutting it down to size, gold fishing, make sure it has all your your uh, vegetable cards, make sure it's smooth, all those good things. Makes sense. Now, I've got a question on that. So that's like your initial stages. And kind of, I guess, I guess that's actually what you said. It's an overview of start to end. Not to jump ahead too much, and if I am, we can just cover it here in a bit. A big change I've made recently, and I wanted to ask you about this while we were talking on the podcast was what do your vegetable card selections look like like how many do you run now there are a lot of different theories out there for how many you should have to make you make sure you're not going to get stomped at any table that has at least synergistic and optimized decks so what do your vegetable cards look like nowadays it fluctuates i mean my default is 35 lands which i know a lot of people think are is not enough but I mean, I do 36. I, I've never had an issue with 35, but mm-hmm. I shoot for... I mean, it, this all depends on the specific deck, but 10 mana rocks or ways to ramp in some way. Mm-hmm. Some interaction. I mean, I, I used to do like five board wipes, but it's crept down to like two or three. That's about where I sit now, just because... And it was a big change in our group, I think. People still run board wipes, of course, but I think we all run a lot less because if too many people have too many board wipes, it leads to the mm-hmm. longest That's games possible. That's what I was possible. about to say. It really prolongs the game if <laughs> you have too many. And with, yeah. like onto inversion, I've just started including in everything because I, I, I count those the flip cards as a land. I mean, it's the yeah. whole probably other episode. So it's just it's just gravy to get upside on the other side of that card. I totally agree. And like kind of as we touched on last time, man, I'm just trying to play as many games of Magic with my friends and have the best time that night. Yes, if I can board wipe and it's not going to slow things down too much, I will. But I've sat through games where there's been board wipes on a stick and just repeated board wipes. And you're sitting there for hours sometimes. Yeah, just... that's, that's been – this is more 50,000-foot view, but that's been the biggest change in my brewing since I've started playing Magic is I just naturally self-censor in a way that it's like – I know I don't enjoy doing X, Y, Z thing, so I, I don't put it in. I know I don't enjoy playing against it, so why would someone else want to play against it? Yeah, I agree. 100% agree. Moving on to the other part of vegetable cards, which is interaction. So, a recent theory that I've come to embrace and start to experiment with, and I think it's the correct one. And again, this is not a dive into power creep and the comments on it again my mentality recently has just been whatever's going to be made in the game is going to be made and i'm just trying to have as good as time as i can and not be too upset about decisions that watsy makes with design choices so with that it is realistic to say (laughs) without a doubt that we have more bombs that land on boards 
more often and earlier than ever before, especially with the cards that have been printed in the last two years. And because of that, I've actually upped my interaction. And it's, I mean, it kind of sucks, but it feels good to make clutch plays. I've upped my interaction to at least 10 removal spells in every deck I play. And whether that's a counter spell or, you know, blow things up, I consider them the same. But 10 removal things in every deck at least. Because, and I had it happen, I built uh, Kolfenor, the last Jew, plus one, plus one counters decks recently. And in him, I that's the first deck I really experimented with. And the very first game I played him, I removed, I think, four or five different combo pieces for other players on the board. Combo or synergy pieces, whatever you want to call it. And really set myself up to win and end up winning that game only because I was able to remove stuff. So... What are your thoughts on that, man? Ten, ten seems like a lot to me, mm. but I think it really depends on the deck for me. So I'll I'll take like a control shell. Like I'll talk about it later. Malcolm and breaches that I have mm-hmm. that, including counter spells, I definitely have at least ten, if not more. But when it's something where I'm trying to be more proactive, I mean, elves is a bad option, but. Uh, there's your bingo card of me mentioning elves on the episode. Um, yeah, check mark. That has probably less than five. I usually shoot between board wipes and targeted removal. I'll be between seven, eight-ish. Do you think that's because your elves, though, are like essentially a combo aggro deck? Well, it, elves is probably even lower than that. I don't think I even have a board wipe there. But yeah. I'm talking about my typical deck. It'll probably okay. be like five targeted removal and then three-ish board wipes. Yeah. But then I try to do the targeted removal to be flexible enough. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, the way the way you see those pieces of removal more frequently are is to have more card draw. So if I, you have the card hmm. velocity, you're churning through your deck well enough, you're going to hit your removal. More so you'd say it's more worth it to add more card draw than more removal. That That's kind of been my shift, is I want to mm. be able to, to dig and keep going. That's interesting. I didn't think of it that way. I mean, I definitely do at least 10 card draw. That's a minimum for me. 10 card draw, 10 ramp is the floor. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting way to go about it, too. I don't know. I don't know what the right choice is. Um, yeah, because I don't have to remove, say, 10 things in a game. I need mm-hmm. to remove three, four, five, and then right. if you can get to them, you don't need as many, necessarily. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And then I try to do some stuff on lands. So, I mean, you have some land removal on lands. You can play stuff like Blast Zone. Yeah, Just, Blast Zone's an amazing card. Yeah, trying to do, like, like a way to get removal, and I don't count as removal, is... Mm, I'm blanking on the the black MDFC where it's four to destroy a creature, but three if your opponent doesn't control a basic land. I know what you're talking about, but I also can't call it to the top of my head. Yeah, so something like that, or mm-hmm. the the green oh. MDFC fight spell, or even like Murderous Rider. Murderous Rider is you know it's thrown card, so of course it's really good. Yeah, um, and when you but, go to have something where you have recursion or blink. Mm-hmm. You can get away with less there because you can reuse the Ravenous Chupacabra. Or you can reuse the Reclamation Sage. And that's kind of a good segue into the other thing I make sure I include as well is I, I've really ramped up over time, always putting in 
at least two, I put in two, it depends on the deck, two to five graveyard recursion, even if it's a deck that's not graveyard centric, just because, I mean, the old adage of like, if you can do something once in a commander game, doing it 1000 times is amazing. So, yeah. And I think, I think it depends on the deck. I, I do have my graveyard tendencies, but sometimes it just doesn't fit with how the deck wants to run. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, and I'm talking like more regrowth effects for the ones that I include, like at least a couple of in most decks. So, but yeah, that was kind of an aside there. Uh, I was very interested to ask those questions about you just to get an idea of where your mindset is at with the current environment that we play in, which is typically very, very powerful. Yeah, there'll be more on that as we go through this uh, deck building process. So mm-hmm. do we want to kick it so off on where we begin? Yep, go ahead. So I have this as the deck becomes a twinkle in my eye. I'll get a desire to go with a certain thing. Maybe it's a commander that looks interesting. Varen Voice of Duality is an example of this recently. Or it's an interaction that looks interesting. So that's Malcolm, Kenai Navigator, and Glenhorn Buccaneer. Or Reckless Fireweaver. Or, if I'm being bland, I'm just doing a 32 deck challenge and... I got to get a Gruel deck. I got to get a Sans White deck. I, I got to figure out a way to make that interesting. Mm-hmm. So there's where that idea becomes a concept. And sometimes it doesn't progress past here. Sometimes it progresses to the next step. But we're a, just a sperm in your daddy's ball sack portion of a deck. <laughs> there are millions yeah. of sperm. There are millions of deck ideas. So do you have a, a conception point like this? I'd say I do, and it's probably pretty similar. I would say my most common one of the three places that you start. So I'm doing the 32 deck challenge again, because you, again, as I said last time, you kind of inspired me to, it'll be a long challenge. But the one, the place I start the most, and it's the kind of player that I am, and it's what I enjoy the most, because I just enjoy doing the most amount of things that I can, is the second one, which is an interaction that looks interesting. Now, that might tie into your first one, which is a commander that looks interesting as well. They are pretty closely related. The way I would distinguish them, and I didn't do a good job here, is more so the interaction is in the deck versus mm-hmm. with the commander. Right. Like a, a like a Tortured Existence deck is a very... like a, It's a deck that fits in one place. Or Persistent Petitioner's deck, where... Right. Yeah, it brewbacks the commander, but you're, you're really going for the Petitioner's and maybe the Thrumming Stone. And now that I'm thinking about it, honestly, man, I don't know if what I said is even true because I can think to the times that I've just seen a commander and it just speaks to me and I'm like, I want to build that. The most recent one for me was Xanathar. Mm-hmm. A, it checked the box of being Demir, and B, it did some wacky crap that no other commanders do and it was a cool interaction that's let me do something very new in a commander game. Yeah, and I guess another way to put the first two would be building from the top down or building from the bottom up. You're building, okay, commander, flesh it out. Or I'm building, okay, here's what I want the body of the deck to do. Let's find a commander that works here. I I think that is a genius way to put it, to be honest, because I can think of examples for both ways that I just do naturally. So I just spoke about Xanathar, and obviously that's a top-down situation. But I also just built my plus one, plus one counters Abzan deck again. And I put Kolfinor, the last shoe, as my commander for that, purely because I think he looks sweet, and he's just a 
he's just a good commander. He doesn't necessarily, he's not the best plus one plus one counters. It's the deck I built previously for that, which is Gave. But yeah, the, it's a cool concept to realize it as bottom up or top down. Yeah, and I guess a better example than Malcolm and Breaches for that would be um, I got Eternal Oketra, where it's kind of that Cambal deck I talked about last time. It's the mm-hmm. it's the Hate Bears deck that okay Oketra just is, adds fuel. She right. uh, gives me bodies for just playing my hateful stuff. So just as an aside, real quick, because this is gonna happen again. This is just us enjoying yeah. the just talking about it. But I don't know if I mentioned this last time. Did I tell you that I think my Boros deck, because I don't have one currently, I took my ones that I had apart, my Boros deck is going to be a Winota Hate Bears and Light Stacks, but mostly just Hate Bears part of Stacks list. It sounds familiar. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to her, because I love Winota. She was in my Marview Humans uh, before I took it apart. And, I, uh, conceptually, I thought about her, but I just, in my mind, it was a lot of math to figure out the right balance of humans and non-humans. I was like, ah, <laughs> Dude, that's too I'm much being, figuring it out. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I do this in fighting games, and I do this in any other game. Like, I let other people do that heavy kind of work. Guys, I'm just trying to enjoy myself a little bit, and I'm just going to look up a list. My, well, I might not have the exact same cards. I'll have similar ones, but I'm going to look up at just a straight-up list and count the number of humans and count the number of non-humans <laughs> that they have. And I'm just going to go that way. But I'm just a stupid gorilla when it comes to magic. And just, yeah, I need to I need to put together my Boros deck. It's going to be Depala. That'll be the, cool. I have the list. It's just a matter of sitting down and getting the cards together before I travel. Do you know people build Galta vehicles? I had never heard of that until like two weeks ago. Huh. Yeah, it's a very common thing. I mean, it makes <laughs> sense to get the power on board to play yep. him, but it's just, huh. It's weird. It's very strange choice, but apparently a lot of people do it, and I'm actually tempted to make that my mono green instead of Toski, because Toski is a sweaty boy. But, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> well, that was a long aside, but still, I think you kind of just blew my mind a little bit, man. I never have thought about the top-down or bottom-up situation. Yeah, I feel like I'm probably stealing that from someone, but, you know. Take credit for it. Cited as someone. So, there we go. (laughs) We've covered all our bases. (laughs) See Socrates. Yes. So, the next step in this, in my mind, is once you have that twinkle in in the eye, trying to figure out the best, most interesting way to build it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, going on Veyron, I had a Kess Storm deck in the past, you might remember it. I do. So I wanted to mess around with the trigger doubling because, you know, Panharmonicon's always fun. I like my rune mm-hmm. deck with the Panharmonicon stuff. So I really like Thousand Year Storm. And I wanted to do that, token makers like Young Pyromancer, Tauran, Murmuring Mystic, etc. So mm-hmm. it ends up like, okay, that's my, my core of the concept, doubling those triggers. So then it just leads me to your ponders, your preordains, your obs, just your cheap cantrips getting you velocity. Yep. Churning through the deck. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the cards probably look like my Locust God deck, where it's just trying to get there. And then when, you, when you're looking at the other way around, I know what, how I want it to go, but then how do I make make the hate bears, or I make the interaction with Malcolm and Glenhorn Buccaneer... How do I make that into a functional deck? So it's just 
So is it? Okay, it's more controlling colors. Pirate aggro's probably not great there. So okay, mm. we're gonna do a control shell. So we can protect the combo. We can we can get there. Then with the thirty-two deck challenge, I would just go with I I the Silas Ren and Tana energy deck I just put together. Mm-hmm. Energy's really it's interesting, but it's unsupported. So it it makes that sans white space like decent. Like I'm not remembering mm-hmm. what the four color legend was from C sixteen that was sans white. Yidris Yidris wasn't really interesting to me, plus I put together mm-hmm. an Averna Cascade deck with a landfall sub theme. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, energy, it's unsupported, it's out of standard, so Aetherworks Marvel and all that's cheaper. I picked that's up right. a bunch of energy stuff, and it's like... Aetherworks Marvel is a sick card. It me. is. I'm glad that you like that card. It is. People don't give that card credit. I mean, it broke standard, but but energy, you just really you don't have enough to make it viable on its own. You don't have a win con no. in energy. So Definitely it's like, not. energy, the theme synergizes with artifacts. Silas has that synergy. Tana gives you some, some token velocity to attack and do stuff with. Yeah, those are decks that I find myself in sometimes as well, and I think the hardest part I have about pulling the trigger the rest of the way on the deck is I hate including a generic win con that everyone uses. I know that sometimes, and maybe it's just because I'd rather just use a combo that I like, but with those decks that like aren't supported, I find myself having to include something along the lines of Torment of Hellfire, and I really just don't enjoy winning that way anymore i've done it a ton of times and i when i'm building the type of deck that you just described i just find myself sitting in that spot where i'm trying to just find a win con because at a certain point you just have to have one yeah and that's the way some of these decks go and die Mm -hmm. and i think that's where that's the death point between here and number three yep so number three to me is putting together the list which you and I differ drastically on, and I can't wait to talk about this. So, so go ahead and how you put together your list. And then... <laughs> so I first go to my closet, and then I put on a big rubber jacket and a rubber apron, and I put on some crazy-looking goggles, and I look like a mad scientist. Then I chug 15 bottles of vodka and pull out every single card I think might fit into the deck, ending up with a stack of about 500 to 600 cards. Uh, and that's how I build my list. Brandon, do you want to tell the people how you Because I, I, I know mean, my way is not sane. I mean, conceptually, we make lists very similar. It's, yeah. But, no, that just gives me a really an anxiety attack of putting all those cards back away. So yeah, <laughs> I have to sort my cards like once a month, man. I, I did that on the front end. So I have all my cards sorted into binders. So I have Wooberg. I have two binders for f- five of the, um, the guilds each. I have a, a small binder with all of the shards and wedges and then four and five color. I have an artifact binder. I have a land binder. So when I go to build my list, I start, we'll say it's a mono white deck. I pull out my white binder. Mm. I look at the the pages. Oh, this is good. I'll put it into a list on tapped out. Ah. Uh, and then Maybe comp- that's what I should start to <laughs> compile my my massive 500 card list, but digitally, where I don't have to resort 
thousands of cards. I'm like, I just, I can't do it like that because the other part of mine. So first, I'm like, ooh, a piece of candy, and I pick up everything. But I don't know if you do this, but I, on my table, because I have a like, I'm sure most people do that are into this hobby as much as we are. I have a table in my office that's jo- or desk just for magic, and it's for brewing a lot. And I separate every card that I have pulled out into stacks of what their function is so whether it's tutoring graveyard recursion all the vegetable stuff and then it breaks into like for plus one plus one counter decks things that put plus one plus one counters on creatures things that synergize when i do that and so forth so that's the next step of this part that i do to and that allows me to get like a focus so i can see the things that are just not going to fit into the deck because it has to be focused so i just scoop those cards away and that kind of, I guess, leads into the next thing that you'll get into. But it allows me to fully envision the deck, I guess. Yeah, and and this point is where I get a little more liberal with sub-themes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you... Going to the energy list where you were talking about, yeah, number two here is where a lot of decks go to die. Yeah. The energy survived because of one sub-theme, and then later on another sub-theme. So, hmm. proliferate became a thing. So, hmm. I was like, okay, energies, they're counters, I can pro- proliferate. Cool. That's un- that's interesting enough. And I did not realize that. Really, this energy deck is... Yeah, because energy is... You get an energy counter. It's like when you get a poison right. counter. Which, huh. spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> awesome. So, <laughs> okay, proliferate works. And it's like, what? What's a proliferate-ish win con? Oh, hey, dark steel reactor. <laughs> and and uh, you're forgetting Skithrix, sir. You're you're, you're jumping you're jumping ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and if I had a second copy of um, Simic Ascendancy, I probably would have done that as well. Yeah, that's your pet card, man. Well, and that's not your only pet. You love that. Card, I like that man. card. I like alternate win cons. Mm-hmm. Other than um, Felidar Guardian. But I'm softening yeah. my stance on that. They've grown on me. But no, and then after I have that list together, I'm like, I, I don't really have enough in terms of a win con, even like creature beats. But mm-hmm. then I'm like, wait, what else can you proliferate? Poison hmm. counters. Yeah. Oh, wait, what can you cheat onto the battlefield with Aetherworks Marvel? Blightsteel Colossus. Oh, you have a Blightsteel? I pulled it in Double Masters. Oh, you lucky <laughs> some gun. Yeah, man, he's the one that's escaped my grasp for a long time. I can't complain too much because I got a lot of other spice. I got that, and I pulled that hundred dollar extended art feast and famine. Yeah, Uh, but yeah, blight steel, get one. Yeah, but it's like oh, blight steel. Oh, okay, I can move Skithrix out of my dragon deck. (laughs) Oh, I have um, venomous sliver. That's poisonous. It's not technically. It's more or less invict. It's. It's that weird thing. It's poison one. Yeah, but that's if I'm doing it proliferate style, that's all mm-hmm. I need. And I think I rounded out with blighted agent. So I have like four sources of infect there. Where, hmm. I mean, I don't with blight still. You don't have to proliferate. You just murder. <laughs> yeah, but it's just straight murder. But no, I mean that's where like, oh, I'm looking at what my list is. Oh hey, add this sub theme. Add this sub theme. And a lot of times. When you're at 150 cards, uh, two or three sub-themes go by the wayside. Yeah, definitely. I can't think of you. 
I have like a broad vision for every deck that I have, and it, that incorporates normally a lot of sub themes. Because you like, I'm I'm sure you do the same thing when you're going through and you're picking out cards. You naturally see sub themes that would possibly fit with mm-hmm. what you're trying to achieve. So yeah, I definitely end up with several sub themes usually, whether it's life gain or whatever else. Or even, life gain to me is a sub theme that's it or, fits better as a sub theme than a theme theme. Yeah, or even like just a package like if i'm in white i'll, I'll usually stick like a faith's reward cosmic intervention brought back like that kind of package there where it's mm-hmm. some kind of recur like white specific recursion or hmm. so yeah i think that's putting together a list so what's next for you next is the dreaded cuts yes which this is the worst i will um Energy is going to not be talked about this time because somehow I got that list right at 100, 101 cards. Yeah, that happens so infrequently. Yeah, so rarely. And I'm so thankful when it does. And I'm like, man, I'm awesome. I did that on purpose. But then you also get to that point where it's like, what did I forget? Yeah. Yeah, you start second guessing yourself. So, yeah, when I'm, when I'm at that 150 card list, I go to tapped out. I sort it by CMC. I'm not trained to do mana value yet. It's still CMC. Yeah, and for all intents and purposes, for everyone that's listening to this, it will always be CMC for me, not just because I think the new thing is dumb. It's just because it's so ingrained. It's old hat, yeah. Yeah. But I'll do that. Like, say I'm at 150 cards, and I'll get a word doc. I'll just put in 1 to 10, 1 to 10, so two columns of 25 in a blank list. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just go through, and then I'll start taking out cards less synergistic, those sub-themes that really just don't don't cut it, that cards that are in excess of a certain number. So when I talked about the Vayron deck, I talked about I had Young Pyromancer, Talran, Murmuring Mystic, Metallurgic Summons. There are other cards that make tokens like that, so you're... Shark Typhoon. Too many of those, and some that are higher CMC but with less payoff. So, like, for instance, Shark Typhoon got on, cut on the chopping block. It's a great card. Yeah, it's an amazing but card. But the CMC on it is higher than the others. And its benefit is you're making the flying sharks that are XXs, so you want to have more impactful, higher-cost spells. Well, in Veyron, I'm, I'm playing... One CMC, two CMC. I'm trying to play a lot. So Mm -hmm. I'm not getting the benefit of Shark Typhoon. So things like that that are... I want to have that in there, but I have too many in the list. The same goes for removal, where I have 15 pieces of removal, and it's like, no. I'll I'll keep the best, most versatile ones. And then things that are too too expensive for the effects, like... I don't want to keep my CMC low, my average CMC low. So I try to cut the fat first. Like it has to be impactful. It's going to be five CMC or up. And I, I think I do a similar way. So when I have to, and I normally do, when I have to make a million cuts, what I will do is very similar in the fact that I will take those assorted piles that I have, separate them into CMC as well and have them in front of me from one through whatever it is. Actually, a lot of the time, anything more than seven is just in one stack because it's a horrendous amount of mana to pay for something. Mm -hmm. And I will 
I it, the sevens don't always get cut, but normally I only try to have one of those things or something along those lines, and I will try to wean them down. Interesting question for you, and this is a question I find myself facing quite frequently. So when you have CMC there, if something is one and X or two and X, so for instance, let's just say a card draw effect. If something is two and X, where you would get to draw X cards, I personally tack on three, making it a five mana spell. Something normally it's three or four because I can't see myself ever wanting to pay less than that for an X. What is your strategy on that? This might sound copy, but I usually just don't consider it in the grand scheme of CMC. So, because really? I so know, well, because I know we'll use um, Torment of Hailfire. I know I'm going to sure. want to pump a bunch in there. So, conceptually, I'm like, it's a higher end. But yeah, when, I'm, when I'm looking spell. at it, um, so when it's something like Blue Sun Zenith, I'm like, I'm not going to cast that for something low. So, I just think, okay, it's a top end spell, but I'm not going to mentally assign it a CMC. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I try not to do a ton of those. So, it's like, it's my higher end card draw. Or a, okay. a win a win con like I'm not going to think of Torment of Hellfire as a regular card. It's it's just in the win con category, and if I keep it in, that's all it is. What about a like Nissa's Pilgrimage? So it's one green and X to flip over that many cards from the top of your library, put all lands into play, put the rest in the bottom of your library in any order. What about a card like that? Does it have a mana value for you? I wouldn't play that card. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So, no, but we'll, we'll say Genesis Wave, because that is a pet card of mine. Sure. It's, I just think it, I'm going to do Genesis Wave for a billion. It's it's mm. higher on the scale, but I don't, I don't do the thing where I mentally say, okay, I want to cast this for 10. I want to cast this for 12. I'm like, I'm just going to punch a pump a bunch into these tags and go for it. Hmm. Okay. So a little bit different there. Yeah, I... Because, I don't know. I don't play with a ton of X, but nah. for for some that I do, I find myself there in like ever like ever flown chalice is essentially is essentially to me a uh, two mana spell. Yeah, it's a two mana rock. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that one. Okay, with upside so there, on the back end. Yeah, like if you have if it's turn eight or whatever, and, and you, you have, have nothing nothing else to do, <laughs> get a huge mana rock. Yeah. So okay, interesting. All right, what's next? Well, I would say along with your um, how you put stuff into piles, I just mm-hmm. I count that kind of stuff. So I'm like, okay, I'll go through. All right, I have 15 things that draw. I have 12 pieces of removal, so I know I can cut back to a certain amount. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I said, Veyron, I wanted a certain number of token producers, Malcolm and Breaches, a certain number of pirates, that kind of things. And... I kind of jumped the gun on the ways to win, but this is where that ways to win kind of meets the road. So, for example, on these ones, Veyron was a little dirtily. Mm-hmm. So, I looked at some lists online. It's like, oh, I can add a commander damage element here because he gives himself yeah. plus two, plus two for each he or she. Veyron uh, gives itself it's plus an elemental. <laughs> yeah, plus two, plus two for each spell you cast. So it's like, okay, so add some stuff like an assault strobe, like a, um aqueous form. Mm-hmm. Just some things to... I mean, he's going, it's going to get big, so why not help it get through? Yeah. And then Malcolm and Breaches. I was okay with it being slower. It's a lower-powered deck. 
So, I mean, looking at alternate ways to get in there, some things to accelerate damage, like a, lesson, a reflection of Lajara from Kaldheim, Shared Animosity. I didn't want to go aggro, but it gives it that fallback where you're not completely helpless if the, the combo goes away. And then energy, like I said, infect. Right. And then, I did something... Go ahead, sorry. No, I was about to move on to the next one. And uh, I, had, I did something simpler, so, or similar in my plus one, plus one counters deck. So it, it was tough for me to not have like the combo-y aspect of it because that's how I built that deck originally years ago when I had it as Gave, which is still one of my favorite commanders. He just combos, combos with everything. too easy. Yeah. So it ends up being... And it's really easy just to do it always with the tools that you get in those colors. So rather than just combos in, in the deck, I ended up doing something similar with like what you said with Malcolm and Breaches, which was if a combo goes away, then I have aggro as a backup. And actually over time, it ended up leading into more of a not necessarily aggro, it's still probably a mid-range deck, but more of a stompy deck towards the mid to late game mm -hmm. rather than just combo. So you see those visions come together as you make those cuts. So. And it's just balancing the sliders to make sure mm -hmm. it's where it needs to be. Yep. And, and I mean, the final thing I have on the list is gold fishing, which get the list to 100, boot up tapped out, playtest, playtest. I mean, it's a little awkward for your control type decks because there's really nothing there to counter. And I there's, really, I don't like playing myself. It's weird, but... There's a really cool thing that uh, I forget where it got posted, and we can post this in the show notes too. It is a list of responses that you can make to yourself that someone thought up. You roll a d20 dice, a normal d20. Whatever comes up, you look at this list, that thing happens to you on an opponent's turn or whatever, or what have you. So it can give you some sort of random interaction that will happen with you and you can goldfish a little bit. I don't want to say better, but it gives you a more realistic feel because mm -hmm. there are things on that list like blow up one of your things or your commander dies or something along those lines. It was a really cool list. I don't know if you've seen it before. It sounds vaguely familiar. Mm -hmm. I'll post it in the show notes and I'll send it to you again later. It, I don't always use it, but I agree that I do goldfish quite a bit. Again, mine's all in paper when I do it, but I do find it important if for no other reason than to practice your lines yeah of what you're trying to achieve because i i have a carador deck i may have mentioned this last time where mm -hmm. it's the whole boon weaver combo and i i couldn't tell you how to do the boon weaver combo i have i have to prepare myself mentally when i'm going to play that deck <laughs> dude so i have two decks like that one of which i just rebuilt which i talked about last week which was uh get rock monster i rebuilt it more as a spiky sweaty deck and i actually looked up spike weaver's video on how to do a combo and watched it in its entirety so i could explain the combo to anyone that asked because it's one of those semi non-deterministic but also deterministic combos yeah it's the, easier just to the explain deck more salvage and discarding is just yeah it, it hurts I, I tried doing it once and i'm just like ugh. Is... I love doing it, but I was telling Jim about this last week, and I think it's just a hard flex why people do this, because I don't think that it's needed, but I don't play CEDH that often, so maybe I just don't know. But people include Chains of Mesistophiles in all their lists for Gitrog at the CEDH level, and I'm like, why? That seems unnecessarily complicated. You've already got the combo. 
why chains? <laughs> why add that onto yourself? I don't know. Uh, they're smarter people than us, though. Yes, way smarter. Way smarter. You're one of them, so way um, smarter than me. I'm, I'm dumb. I don't do triggers. I just, <laughs> I just elf. Elf that's is one life. of my. That's one of my other favorite. One of my favorite challenge mode decks is Tashar, and to have you know a responsible but also a little bit more than usual amount to drink and then try to play Tashar <laughs> <laughs> and then just be as shocked as everyone else when I find out that something's infinite. Did I do that? Yeah, whoops. <laughs> See, I, I don't know. I don't know. When I have goldfish my Tashar, I feel like it's not super complicated because there's just certain interactions, but maybe my Tashar is built differently. <laughs> It might be. I built mine as a Rube Goldberg machine, as I tend to do. So it does a lot of nothing for a while, and then suddenly I mill everybody out. So, <laughs> or one of the things. So, all right, man. What else do you got? That's it for me, because that's when you start playing with the deck, and that's mm-hmm. a whole other thing on keeping a deck updated. Yeah, and that I'm not good at. Yeah, I've something that I unfortunately it's the ADD that comes with cards coming out so often they're always being a new toy i was looking through cards a little bit ago like before we got on tonight just to pull some out for my ink trader nephilim deck which i want to re-sleeve and make some updates to and i was looking through all these cards i've acquired through commander decks or what have you and there's so many cards that were in there that are newer cards that i was like man this would go good in this deck this would go good in this deck and tinkering with a deck, like you said, is a whole nother conversation. I don't know if it's worth a whole podcast about it. Maybe we'll just talk about it on a side sometime. But tinkering with a deck is, I find it very fun to try to slot in new stuff and find places that they can go. Yeah, it's just a lot to do it every set when there's a new set every other week. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's an exhausting way to go about it. I think you're much better just to see a cool card, want it, and then just find a home for it rather than trying to optimize every deck every single time. I don't think it's realistic to try to do that. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think that you did a fantastic job putting together these notes and kind of the idea of stuff. Much better than I could have. Uh, Mine was a lot more broad than this, I I guess. Uh, I lined up with a lot of what you said here, and I never actually thought of it in these pieces. So, yeah, I mean... very. Being down here in a pandemic and not having a play group, <laughs> all I've been doing is brewing. <laughs> like when I moved down here in November of 2019, I took apart all of my decks and have rebuilt from there. I remember trying to talk you out of it. I was like, no, dude, don't do it. And then two months ago, I, I took apart half my decks. It was very freeing. Mm-hmm. It kind of is, actually, especially if there's stuff that you know that you're just never going to be interested to play. So Yeah. But now it's come to 32, which I need to get more deck boxes. That's the thing I hate about having so many decks, man. So I went to the dollar store and bought these. I think you've seen them. These really sick deck boxes for a dollar. They're supposed to be these little containers that hold vegetables in your refrigerator. And they really just snap together fine. And they hold these little... They they hold easily 100 cards and probably 50, 60 tokens plus extra cards on the side, which is something I do. I'll find a card and know that it belongs in that deck or may, and I'll just throw it in the side until I have a point uh, of time that I can actually throw it in there. So I do but, that on yeah. tapped out, but yeah. Buying sleeves and deck boxes for every deck is... Yeah. Well, I hate it, but yeah. it's part of it. Yeah, I mean, I have a shelf right now where I have these three-tiered, like they're for spices, 
mm-hmm. but I have it three tiered where I just have deck boxes and different rows. So hmm. I like that we both use cooking or kitchen <laughs> things for our deck. I literally have three on a shelf and then one in um, a cabinet for spices. Man, we should go to uh, Bed Bath and Beyond when you're up here, and we'll shop around for Magic the Gathering accessories. What could you use a candle for? Mm, lighting, get Rog Monster on fire. So <laughs> I comboed out with that last week because I only bring it out when I'm playing against decks that are absolutely miserable to play against. So Eric was playing Group Hug, which is no longer Group Hug. It's more of just Pillow Fort and wait, and then counter your stuff. And then Jimmy was playing discard your whole hand and sit there and play from the top of your deck <laughs> and i kind of felt bad because i comboed off with get rog and eric and i did the ebony charm line and eric was like that's it that's boring i was like well dude <laughs> so yeah. is so is sitting here and not doing anything <laughs> that's what i'm saying man at least you know i don't know something happened we can play another game because yuck well I think that ties it up for today. So we will officially end the podcast. So thank you all for listening. These will hopefully start coming out on a weekly basis. That is my goal to have them come out on Fridays. Once they start coming out and whoever's out there listening, please take time. If you like what you're hearing to like and subscribe and review our podcast, wherever you listen to it. It's very important as it pushes just our podcast farther up the algorithm to the top so more people can see it and only do that again if you enjoy what you're hearing or even if you don't you can just subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe unsubscribe resubscribe (laughs) just mess it up (laughs) there'll be a lot of activity that's how algorithms work i think yeah i think so as well Uh, how do magnets work i think they're the same thing right where you're dating us now (laughs) yeah So if you all want to write into us about any topics that you want to hear us talk about or anything in particular or anything in general that you're just interested in, please write to us at thestackofwordscast at gmail.com. Hopefully in the coming weeks, I'll also have the Facebook and Instagram pages set up and you guys can follow us there and I'll update accordingly for those. And if we get to 100,000 subscribers, we'll open a Pornhub account. Yes. We won't post anything. It'll just be for our use. Yep, and only fans of Brandon's and my videos of clipping our own toenails. That'll be the whole. Account. Put that on WikiFeed. Yeah, I think that unfortunately we'll make money from that, and I just I don't know I don't I don't know how I feel. It's a lot of tax implications. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe there won't be an only. You all ruined it. Thanks. Y'all already ruined it before. Yeah, you don't get to see our feet. No only fan. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Brandon, for being here. As always, this is Nico. Thanks for tuning in. And for Brandon. (laughs) Sorry, man. Bye-bye. That's got to stay in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you all later. (laughs) 